the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so I'm bringing my series to a conclusion on faithfulness, abounding with blessings through faithful stewardship. Somebody say, abounding with blessings. Say, abounding with blessings. Say, abounding with blessings. I have realized in the years I've pastored that everybody wants to be blessed. Everybody. There's nobody who does not want to be blessed. Even the one who is doing the wrong thing wants to be blessed. But unfortunately, many people in as much as everybody wants to bless god also willingly wants to bless okay so our text is proverbs chapter 28 verse 20 proverbs 28 20 proverbs 28 20 that's what the bible says it says a faithful man shall abound with blessings somebody say a faithful man shall abound with blessings say a faithful man shall abound with blessing but he that maketh his to be rich shall not be innocent okay so the bible says a faithful man shall abound with blessing but he that maketh his to be rich shall not be innocent and then the bible tells us in matthew 25 verse 21 he said his lord said well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things i'll make you a ruler over many things it is in the heart of god to bless people somebody say it's in the heart of god to bless people god is a blesser say god is a blesser yeah god is a blesser god always wants to bless people when god made man the first thing he did was to bless him and it has always been his plan and mind to bless people but there's a responsibility on the part of man if he must be blessed there is what we are called to do in order to experience the blessings of god and so every now and then god will give us opportunities to be able to do our part so his blessing can be realized in our lives. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 to 19, the Bible said by faith, when he was tested by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Somebody say by faith. faith. Say by faith. Okay, so God wants to bless us and there are things he would call us to do in order to walk in the blessing first of all he called abraham and said walk with me and be thou perfect he told him that get thee out of thy father's house and go into a land which i will show you and there in the land i will bless you and i will multiply you praise the lord so if abraham wanted to experience a blessing he had a responsibility to step out and reach out to what God wanted him to do. So it's always important that we appreciate these things. Abraham was called out, but Abraham was also tested. Turn to your neighbor and say, God will test you before he can trust you. God will test you before he can bless you. It's always important we appreciate that God will test us because the blessing of God is not designed for you to use it to satisfy your ego and your insatiable desires it has a purpose charge those who are rich in this world that they be not minded or trusting on certain riches by the living god who giveth as richly all things to enjoy that they do good that they be rich in good works that they'll be willing to share ready to communicate that's god's purpose for his blessing everything god gives us that is the ultimate objective and so god will test us and he tests us in three major areas we said that number one god tests us with little things somebody say god tests us with little things don't pray for big things be faithful in little things send your name and say don't pray for big things be faithful in little things yeah, 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 yeah a lot of people their prayer point is pro- for promotion and elevation 
I have realized that promotion comes when we occupy ourselves seriously, doing faithfully the letter that we have been assigned to do. That's, that's how faithful, uh, expansion comes. When you are given a small job, you do it well, you will not have to print business card. Your business name will go abroad. I'm not communicating here. But when you are given a little job and you perform it poorly, you can have advertisement going on all the radio stations and still nobody will do business with you. Why? Because you are not faithful. You cannot be trusted. If I gave you a job and it took you uh, a year to do that job, there is no way I recommend others to you to come do business with you. So let's be faithful in little things. Send your name and be faithful in little things. And then we said we also need to be faithful in other people's things. Somebody say be faithful in other people's things. Huh. Learn to handle other people's things well. And then number three, the giant of all giants is faithful in money matters. Turn to your neighbor and say be faithful in money matters. Be faithful in money matters. Say be faithful in money matters. Be faithful in money matters. How are we going to demonstrate faithfulness in money matters? Number one, we must see ourselves as a steward and God as the owner of all we have, including our money. Somebody say, I'm a steward. And God owns everything that I have, including my money. That was Abraham's disposition. He says, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God, most high, possessor of heaven and the earth. This was a confession of uh, Melchizedek, which confession Abraham also made later on. They saw God as possessor of heaven and earth. It's always a, a miserable thing when somebody feels that he owns his life. I own my life. I own my intelligence. I own my skill. I own everything I have. That is a foolish man in the making. That's what the rich fool said. He said, see this house that I built. Look at this great business. I'm going to pull it down. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. God said, well, you built the business. You went to school. You made everything that you have made. You made your money. But there is something that controls the money which you don't control. And I have power over that. And that is your life. And so because you have decided to function without me, I'm going to take the life and watch how you can enjoy all the goodies you have stored for yourself. And that's how a lot of people are living their lives. So they are not able to enjoy life the way God designed life to be for them because they have decided to set God aside and want to get the best out of life. Listen, let me tell you today, you can never get the best out of life if you decide to set God outside it. There's no life outside God. There's no life. There's no life. You will try to exist. You will pretend you are alive, but eventually you will be gone. So we must see ourselves as stewards and God as the owner of all we possess. We must make a firm decision to honor God consistently with our tithes and offerings. Somebody say tithes and offerings. And then number three, we must not be greedy and hasty to get rich. You must not be hasty to get rich. A lot of people who are not faithful, who rather consume everything, is because they are in the haste to get rich. They are in the haste to get rich. They want to keep everything to themselves because when they keep it to themselves, then they feel that all will be well with them. Number five, you must learn to give to your employees and dependents what is justly theirs. That is, if you have people who are working for you, and then number Five, we said discipline yourself to honor your financial obligation, commitment, and vows promptly without fail. Turn to your neighbor and say, when you take a vow, when you make a commitment, when you have an obligation, do honor it faithfully. Okay, today I'm going to uh, do a step further and we are still looking at faithfulness in money matters. Somebody say faithfulness in money matters. Faithfulness in money matters. Uh, last week I told you that I'm going to zero in on the principle of tithing. Genesis chapter 14 verse 18 to 24. Genesis chapter 14 verse 18 to 24. John D. Rockefeller, the first billionaire in American history. He said that if I had not tithed on my first salary, which was one point one dollar fifty cents i will not have been able to tithe on my many billions that i made 
He said, I was able to do a tithe on the billions of dollars I made because I made a commitment to tithe first on my first salary, which was $1.50. Somebody say $1.50. I've met too many people who are waiting for a big break to give. And I have seen how fallacious that act is. If you have not, you are not faithful. You can give a tithe of hundred cities, one Ghana cities out of hundred cities. Don't try giving a thousand out of ten thousand cities. You cannot do it. And it's not it's not me who is saying it. It's the Bible that says. It says if you are not faithful in little things, you cannot be faithful in great matters. This principle of tithing is so foundational. It's foundational for the blessing of God, and a, a, a lot has been wrongly said about it. And I realize that the foundation, the, the principal argument about the tithe is that people are greedy. Are you here with me? People are greedy. People love money more than they love God. In fact, the more you love God, the less, the more you want to give to God. So you don't think about tithe. You actually want to give everything that you have to God. People who spend time debating on whether tithe or not are basically people who are lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of a world. That's what it's about. To. In fact, any time money is talked about and you feel uncomfortable, money as it relates to the kingdom of God and you feel comfortable, is a sign that money is your Lord. When you have conquered money, you, there's no amount of money that moves you at all. And let me tell you, until God becomes your Lord, he cannot entrust you with a lot of money. Luke 14, 12. Look, let's start from verse 10. Okay. He who is faithful in what is he who is faithful in what is least is also is faithful also in is faithful also in is faithful also in and who he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in okay. So the first principle is that if you are faithful in the little, you'll be faithful in much. Now the second principle it says. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust true what? Say true riches. Say true riches. Uh So there's true riches that God commits to people who demonstrate faithfulness in money matters. Faithfulness in money matters. Faithfulness in money matters. I pray that we will be found faithful in money matters. That God can commit more into our hands. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can I have a believing amen here? Alright, so we look at Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 to 24. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. Somebody say he was a priest of God. Most high. Okay, so it says he was a priest of God. There are two things that are used to describe uh, uh, Melchizedek. He was a king and he was a priest. And those same two things apply to Christ. And so later on when the Bible talks about Christ and the priesthood of Melchizedek, the priesthood of Christ which is after the order of Melchizedek, he talks about the fact that Christ is made an everlasting priest. Just like Melchizedek was. He had, the, he had no beginning of days, no end of days. I will still come back sometime later to really walk you through it because the contention about the tithe, usually that, that part of Hebrews is left out. Praise the Lord. Okay, so look at this. He said, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand and he gave him a tithe of he gave him a tithe of he gave him a tithe of now the king of Sodom did what? said to Abraham give me the persons and uh, take the goods for yourself but Abraham said to the king of Sodom I raise up my hand to the Lord most high possessor of heaven and the earth that I will not take from a thread to a sandal strap that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say I have made Abraham rich except only what the young men have eaten okay so we see that Abraham enjoyed supernatural blessings somebody say Abraham enjoyed supernatural blessings yeah, Abraham was an uncommon man. Look at Genesis chapter 24 with me. Genesis 24, the New Living Translation says, Now Abraham was old. May you be old? Amen. 
and may you be blessed when you are old in the mighty name of Jesus Abraham was now a very old man and the Lord had blessed him in every way may you experience the blessing of God every way he had blessed him in every way every way in fact the CV puts it in a very interesting way he said Abraham was a very old man the Lord had made him rich and he was successful in everything he did may God make you rich because you see, I'm sure the CV just picked uh, uh, Proverbs 10 22 and put it there. The Lord has blessed him in every way, and he understands that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and has no sorrow with it. Said the Lord was old man, the Lord had made him rich. God makes people rich. May he make you rich. Yeah. You see, there is wealth gotten by labor, and there is wealth gotten by favor. God empowers people to get wealth. Thou shalt remember the Lord that God for it is he that giveth the power to get wealth. God gives us power to get wealth. He says, Abraham was old and was very, very rich. Now, look at Genesis chapter 24, verse 34. This is Abraham. How rich was Abraham? If we, give, if we get an idea. That, so he said, I am Abraham's servant. Look at verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master, what? He had blessed my master what greatly and he has made him he has become great he has given him flocks and heads silver and gold male and female servants camels and donkeys may the lord make it so for you Amen. the cv says the lord the servant of abraham, abraham explained i'm abraham's servant the lord has been good to my master the lord has been good to my master may god be good to you Amen. May God be good to your household. May God be good to your children. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. The Lord has been good to my master. And he has made him very rich. May you be very rich. I said may you be very rich. May you be made very rich. He has given him many sheep, gold, cattle, camels, donkeys, as well as a lot of silver and gold and many slaves. That is Abraham. How did he get into this? By the principles he practiced. The first time he met uh, uh, Melchizedek, he blessed him and then he responded by giving him the tithe. It wasn't an act of the law. At this time, there was no law actually. And that is why I'm going to take some time this morning and walk you through a few things that you need to uh, get cleared. Because those of us who are children of faith are blessed through faithful Abraham. That's what the Bible says. Those of us who are faith, faith, children of faith. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Galatians 3, verse 7 to 9. Galatians 3, verse 7 to 9. Know ye therefore. And so you should understand. Give me the New King James. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of the children of. Are you a person of faith? Have you placed faith in Christ Jesus? Then the Bible says you are a child of Abraham. Now go to verse number eight. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. I like this. God would justify the heathen through faith. The reason why Abraham became a father of faith was because God wanted to bless all of us through him. And if God is going to bless us through Abraham, then Abraham had to respond to God by faith and we must respond to God by faith. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Now, so he says, and God, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, Indeed, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, the first person we are told had the gospel was Abraham. You know, the blessing we have in Christ came to us through the gospel. When we receive the gospel and we believe, then we were saved. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the Lord, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is every man that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of God might come to those who believe through faith, that we might obtain the promise through uh, the Spirit, through Christ Jesus. He says, In this are all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, verse 9, look at this. So then, somebody says, So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful. Those who through those who be of faith are blessed through what? who faithful Abraham. That is a person. That's why what Abraham did 
what Abraham believed, what Abraham practiced, is something that is recommended for us. The Bible said, Be ye followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promises. Okay, so Abraham made a commitment and he started the principle of tithing. And the Bible says, At the end of his life, you see, most of the time, the Bible says, Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. We may all start out well. But not all of us will end up the same way. Sometimes, in fact, in the book of Psalms, he said, I've seen the, the wicked in great power. And he's growing quickly and speedily. But I watched out for him later on. And I realized he was no more. Praise the Lord. Sometimes when people are doing the wrong thing, they seem to be getting ahead. They seem to be doing all right. It seems like all things are working together for their good. But it's only a matter of time. It is in the end that we will see who was on the right track. Are you here with me? So Abraham started this principle and at the end of his life, God had blessed him in every way. Let's follow this man. Jacob. Jacob was in a very tight place. And may I help somebody. Those of us who when we have a challenge, financial challenge, the first thing we want to stop is the principle of the tight. That's where usually we miss it. Most of the time, I realize that when the test is on, people fail most of the time it's not that god is not committed to us but we are not we are not detailed enough to follow through and pass the test jacob had been raised by his father grandfather and had been taught the principles of scripture and at this time he had coveted his father his father's blessing and taken away the blessing and the brother was angry wanted to kill and destroy him was looking for him to kill him and he's in a very tight place and he comes to a place he has a spiritual encounter with god he meets the angel of god and then he makes this unique vow and commitment and consecration to god now you must understand that vows were not made by ordinary people in the old testament if you were a careless person you didn't make a vow people were very detailed people were very committed and consecrated were those who made vows jacob encounters god and he makes a vow. Look at this. Genesis 28, verse 20. I just, this is somebody who, somebody gave the tithe and we saw the end of his life. Another person makes a vow. He has not done it yet. He makes a vow that I will continue. I will start it and continue with it and see what God does for him. Look at this. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that i'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on verse 21 oh kalisabra so that i come back to my father's house in peace then the lord shall be mine the lord shall be mine the lord shall be mine now he makes three commitments that are very important he said one god is my god then he also makes a commitment to the house of God. Look at this. That's why you cannot be committed to God and not be committed to the church. There is nothing that is as fallacious as pretending to be a Christian when you are not committed consistently to a local church. There's, there is, it's not, it's, it, it's not, it's, it's, it, <laughs> I don't know, but it, 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 it doesn't work. You can't belong to Christ and not belong to his body. Praise the Lord. How can you say, I'm part of your, you the head, but I don't belong to the body. The body is Christ. The body and the head are one. He said, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. Shall be God's house. Shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tent unto thee. Now, those of you who have followed Facebook useless arguments, really, because like I said earlier, those who are spiritual don't waste their time on Titan. Because as I'm going to walk you through today, when we, we, we come to the end of this service, you will see that Titan is actually for babies in the Lord. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's where Pharisees, in fact, hypocrites are the ones who tithe. Those who are walking in love with God, they give more than the tithe. And you will see that when I, I close this service. At this stone, he said, this stone shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely... Now, look at this. I've heard people say that the tithe has to do with agricultural produce. I'm sure some of you have heard that, those, some of those foolish arguments. Now, imagine that Abraham went to war. And when you went to war those days, nobody goes to war and carry agricultural produce. Just think about it. The first person who tithes, he didn't... There was no agricultural produce. This man is saying, I'm going to tithe. Of all that God gives me, 
I will surely give a tenth to him. Is it agricultural produce he's talking about? Now, these ones are, this, this is where we learn from. You see, the book of Genesis is the book of beginning. Last week I was telling you, you cannot say that, oh, I'm divorcing my wife for any reason because Moses said we could put away my wife. You go back to Genesis and see what was written from the beginning. Of all that God will give me, I will surely give a tent. I will surely give a tent unto you. Now, look at this. He made a vow and look at how he ended Genesis 32 verse 9 to and Jacob prayed, oh God. Now, this, this is Jacob. This, he, at the beginning of his life, he starts like this. At the end of his life, look at this. And Jacob prayed, oh God, of my grand, my great, my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Let's read it together. Oh Lord, you told me return to your own land and to your relatives and you promised me I will treat you kindly. Now look at verse 10. Let's read it together. I am not worthy of all unfailing you have shown to me. Your servant, when I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I own nothing except a walking stick. Now, yeah, if you think that <laughs> you lose by giving to God, you miss it there. Abraham left his father's house. When he made a vow, the only thing he had was a stick, in, a walking stick. When he was coming back, he was, he was loaded inside out. Super blessed. Super blessed of God. Am I communicating here? This is his testimony. I left my father's house with nothing but a walking stick. But with the commitment in my heart, I will be faithful to God. And when he came back, everything around him turned around. This is Abraham. Now, when we come into Malachi, the Bible tells us we have to bring all the tithe into the storehouse and the blessing of God will be released into our lives. Bring all the tithe into my house that there may be meat in my house and prove me herewith if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. Now, the same way God blessed Abraham, which is a patriarch, blessed Jacob, he is also in the willingness and readiness to do the same for us. Am I communicating here? Yeah. He left empty. He came full because of the blessing of God. When we talk about the tithe, we are simply talking about one-tenth. Somebody say one-tenth. One -tenth. So when we talk about the tithe, we are talking about the tenth part of something. The tenth part of something. That's what is called the tithe. The tenth part of something. Jacob said, of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth. Somebody say a tenth. I will give a tenth unto thee. Now look at Leviticus 27 verse 30. Leviticus 27 30. He said one tenth of the produce of the land. Now at this time we, are, we have come to the law. Praise the law. And I'll be walking you through it. Because Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all of that has to do with the law. He said one tenth of the produce of the land. Whether grain of the fields or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. And must be set apart to him as holy. Tend to your neighbor and say set it apart. Turn to your neighbor and say, set it apart. So we'll be talking about the consecration of the tithe. So he says, it must be set apart as holy to the Lord. Set apart as holy to the Lord. This morning, I just want to walk you through six important C's about the tithe. Six important C's about the tithe. Six important C's about the tithe. Number one is the commencement of the tithe. Commencement. The principle and the practice of Titan commends with Abraham. When people speak out of ignorance and they say Titan is an Old Testament thing. It's amazing that they don't say prayer is an Old Testament thing. <laughs> they don't say prayer is an Old Testament thing. The blessing of God is an Old Testament thing. But when it comes to uh, emptying our heart of mammon so we can serve God, they say it's an Old Testament thing. And I want you to see it. He says, it, the principle and practice of the tithe commends with Abraham. Somebody say Abraham. Abraham. That's where it started from. The first person to tithe was Abraham. And when you are doing scriptural interpretation, that's what they call first mention. Somebody say first mention. Yes. First mention means that any time you see an act being practiced for the first time or being spoken about for the first time, you need to pay close attention to it. There is something God wants you to get out of it. Abraham was the first person to tithe, and we saw how he did it. 
He met Melchizedek. Melchizedek blessed him. Melchizedek was a priest and king. He blessed him. And then he gave him a tent of all. And we also saw how he did it. It was the first thing he did. It was what? Yeah. When he received all the goose, the first thing he did out of the goose was a tithe. He picked it out because according to Leviticus, we are told, it must be set apart. So before Abraham began spending anything, he had the discipline, the spiritual discipline and sense to know that God's own must be set apart before anything else. It must be set apart. That's where it started from. Now look at this. Galatians, the time Abraham gave the tithe, this was 430 years minimum before the law. Before the law of Moses came, Abraham gave the tithe. Look at Galatians 3, verse 15 to 17. Dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. He says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Notice the scripture doesn't say to his children. Because he was not referring to his biological seed as, as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, which child? That, of course, means Christ. So that's what he's talking about. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement, follow this, the agreement between, the agreement God made with Abraham could not, could not what? Could not what? Please follow it. Could not what? 430 years later, when God gave the law to Moses, God will be breaking his promise. Do you follow what I'm teaching now? Now, so when you hear somebody who is ignorant saying that Titan is, uh, is, uh, is uh, under the law, you let them know that they should go and read their Bible again. I'm not communicating here. What God initiated, the process God initiated and started with Abraham could not be nullified during the era of the law. And by the way, you see, when you read your Bible, you have to understand what is a practice and what is a principle. And there are principles that the principles of scripture are eternal. Some practices may vary, but the principles of God are eternal. Somebody said the principles of God are eternal. The principles of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why the world is alive and is well is because of divine principles. The law, the principle of gravity is functioning. That's why we are here. Praise the law. God does not change as a person. And his principles also don't change. And we need to appreciate that. Now, so that's what the scripture tells us. So the first one we see is the commencement. Somebody say the commencement. Where did it begin from? Did it begin when Moses came 400 years later? Or it began way before the law? And we are seeing that the, tithe, the principle of the tithe began way before the law. Number two is the codification of the tithe. Somebody say codification of the tithe. Now, when we say you are coding something or you codify something, you are simply arranging the thing such as laws or rules into a formal system for people to follow. When you arrange laws or rules into a formal system so that people can follow, we call it codification. So you codify it. This, the, tithe, the principle of the tithe began with Abraham 430 years before the law. And then it was codified. Somebody say codified. Codified under the law. So under the law, God gives us a detailed uh, uh, explanation about the tithe. What it, who owns the tithe, what it's for, uh, how the tithe is supposed to be paid. All of that, we discover it under the law. Abraham starts the practice and then we see it codified so that later years, people will see how they ought to go about this principle. Now look at Leviticus chapter 27 verse 32. He said, One tenth of the produce of a land grain from the field's fruit belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. I've told you that Abraham's tithe was not agricultural produce. Jacob's tithe was not agricultural produce. These guys, during the era of these guys, they were farmers. So their tithe obviously had to be agricultural produce. I'm not communicating here. Now it's the same thing with us. In our era, if we were into agricultural produce, then God would have required that we gave him the tithe in agricultural produce. But here we are. We, we trade with currencies and money. I'm not communicating here. That's why we also give the tithe in monetary terms. So you have to appreciate that. Whatever the Bible says, it belongs to the Lord. Somebody say it belongs to the Lord. Now, under the law, we see God laying total ownership of the tithe. It belongs to him. 
Now, that's why you cannot say that this month I, I, I am touched by the plight of a poor person around me, a widow around me, so I want to, I want to bless them with my tithe. You are making a mistake. It doesn't belong to you to decide what you are doing with it. Am I communicating here? You don't, you don't have that right. And as we go on, you come to see why God instituted the tithe and why nobody could do whatever they wanted with it. It belongs to him and must be set apart as holy. God had a certain idea in mind when he brought the children of Israel out of the land of captivity. Let me quickly read something to you. Exodus chapter 19. Let me show you something. Exodus chapter 19. Exactly two months. Now follow this very closely. Exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of Sinai. Verse 2. Verse 2. After breaking camp at Rephidim, they came to wilderness of Sinai and set up camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. Verse 3. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions. Please follow. Give these instructions to the family of Jacob announced to the descendants of Israel. Now, to, this is for the whole nation. He said, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Verse 5. Ah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. Now, this is God's idea. So he shares it with the people. That I want you to be my special treasure. Now, you can read this in the context of First uh, Peter 2, verse 9. When the Bible says you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, it's the same thing. He said, I want you to be a special people to me. But, when you go to chapter 20, God appears before the people and ready to start the process of relating with them as a special people. And the people say, hey, Moses, we didn't know this. Your God is like this. We cannot relate with him the way he's demanding so you know what Moses we want you to relate with him whatever he tells you come and tell us we will do it but as for us we can't have that direct uh, this at all because this your God <laughs> his demands are some way we cannot now so if you see the Levitical priesthood you will understand that it wasn't originally God's idea. God's idea was not to select one family to be a special family to him. God's idea was to have the whole nation of Israel as a special people to him. That's why in the New Testament he said, we are all a holy nation. We are a special priesthood, a holy nation. So in the New Testament, nobody is apart from the fivefold ministry which are selected to equip the rest of us. All of us are ministers. Somebody say, I'm a minister. Amen. Yeah. Everybody in the New Testament is a minister. He has made us unto God kings and priests and we are to serve him. That was God's idea. The children of Israel were not ready for that. So they said, rather, choose the, the people of Levi. You, Moses, your father is, a Levi, is from Levi. We want you, Moses, and your family line and everybody from your tribe to now be set apart. Now you will hear from God and you will tell us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And when they said that, it, it sounded good to God. God said, if that's the case, that is fine. So, all of you are not going to relate, but I'm going to set apart the tribe of Levi. Somebody say the tribe of Levi. So, out of 12 tribes, God chooses one, which is called the tribe of Levi. And he chooses them, and then he tells them, everybody is going to do whatever they want to do with their lives. They can go to war, they can do farms, they can do everything. But this people who are special to me, this is what they are going to do. Their business will be to take care of the things that pertains to me in the tabernacle. They will hear from me and they will bring you instructions. They will guide you on how you are to relate with me. Now look at it in Numbers 18 verse 20 to 24. Numbers 18. And the Lord said to Aaron, you, 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 you priest will receive no allotment of land or share of property among the people of Israel. I, I am your share and your allotment. Did you see that? I'm your share and your allotment. So they share all the land. They gave every part of the land to every tribe except the tribe of Levi. Now, how are they going to survive? God has set them apart to find sin for him, work for him. How are they going to be kept? Now, look at this. This is God's wisdom. As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for the service in the tabernacle. How am I going to do this? Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the the tithe 
from the entire land of Israel. Did you see that? Now, so the Bible tells you, number one, the tithe belongs to God. And then he says, I am giving it to the people who are dedicated to my cause in the tabernacle. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Now, that was God's, this is, an, is that what is being done today. We will get back to, we will get to it. That's not where we are now. We are looking at what they did under the law and what the principle was. Okay, so from now on, no Israelite except priest or Levite may approach the tabernacle. So God said, I want all of you to come. They said, we cannot. God says, the Levites are going to come. And because the Levites are going to come, they are not going to spend time in anything. They are going to fellowship with me and then they will give you feedback. So the Bible said, if they come, if they come too near, they will be judged guilty and die. That is for the rest of Israel. From now only the Levite may serve the tabernacle and they will be held responsible for any offenses against it. This is a permanent law for you to observe from generation to generation. The Levites will receive no allotment of land among the Israelites. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Okay, so this was God's principle. They, all of this, I'm talking about the codification of the tithes. Under the law, we see the purpose of the tithe, we see where the tithe is supposed to be taken to. Who owns the tithe? We see it under the law. Who has a responsibility to handle the tithe? We see it under the law. Now look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, 12, verse 4 to 6. Deuteronomy 4. Do not worship the Lord your God in these, in the way these pagan peoples worship their gods. Verse 5. Rather, you must seek. Somebody say you must seek. You must, you must seek your God at the place of worship, he himself chose from among the tribes. The place where his name will be. Where his name will be. Okay, so when you say, I'm taking my tithe to an orphanage, ask yourself, is that the place God has chosen to place his name there? Now look at this. Verse four, five, five, four, six. There you will bring. Now let's, let's connect verse 5 and 6 so you can appreciate it well. Verse 5 and 6. He said, Rather, you will seek the Lord your God at the place of worship he himself will choose from among the tribes. The place where his name will be honored. So when you read Malachi and he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, there was a, a precedent. There was a place. Jacob is about to give the tithe and he said, of all this shall be the house of God and of all that you give me, I will give a tenth unto you. Before the Levitical priesthood, Jacob, uh, Abraham took the tithe and he gave it to a man who was a priest. Are you following what I'm teaching here? Okay. Now, so he says, rather seek him there. Now, there, look at verse 6. There you will bring your what? Burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithe, your sacred offerings, your free will offerings, your, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, your offerings of the firstborn animals, of all your heads and flocks. So there's a place. Somebody say there's a place. Yeah. There's a place God has designated that you take, take the tithe. You don't just take it anywhere. There's a place. And he said, God says, the place that I have chosen to put my name there, there you bring it. Now look at verse 10, verse 10 to 11. Verse 10 to 11. Then you will soon, but you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land your God is giving you. When he gives you rest from all your enemies and you are safely living in the land, look at this. You must bring everything I command. Your what? Read it with me. Your, 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 to the designated place of worship. The place the Lord your God chooses for, to be honored. That's the place. That's the place. We see that under, now look at verse number 12. Chapter 12, verse 13 to 14. Be careful. Somebody say be careful. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offering just anywhere. Anywhere. Ah, look at this. You may, you may do so only at the place. Uh-huh. There. Uh -huh. In the New Testament, the place God has chosen is the church. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's the place. Number two, number, number three is the consecration of the tithe. Somebody say consecration of the tithe. You have to understand that the tithe is consecrated. When we say something is consecrated, it means it's set apart, it's special, it's sacred. 
you can do whatever you want with it. The tithe is consecrated. It's holy. It's holy. It's holy. So you don't, you don't deal whatever you want to do with that which is holy. You know, when the Bible says you are the temple of God, you are not your own. He's simply saying that you are holy. You are set apart. Praise the Lord. When the Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy, it's because God has set you apart for himself. And the tithe is one of those things that are set apart unto God. In fact, Numbers says, uh, Leviticus says, One tenth of the produce of a land, whether grain from the fields or the fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart. Somebody say, set apart. Set, set apart as what? Holy to him. Set apart as holy. Consecrated. It should be so set apart that if under any circumstance you are so in discipline and you want to touch it, look at verse 31. If you want to buy back the lost tent of the grain or field, you must pay its value plus 20%. Why? Because he doesn't want you to touch it. He doesn't want you to touch it. Set it apart. Oh, this month, I'm very, very tight. Uh, I, I have to use my tight. You are an undisciplined Christian. And God cannot entrust you with a lot of resources because you are indisciplined. Now, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 25. He said, it is a snare for to devour that which is holy. Somebody say, it's a snare. It's a snare, uh -huh. it's a snare to you ensnare yourself when you devour that which is holy. It's a snare to devour that which is holy. Ask your neighbor, are you divine that which is holy? <laughs> Number four is the commendation of the tithe. Somebody said the commendation of the tithe. Okay, so we've started, we started with the fact that the tithe commends from a place. The tithe was codified under the law. The tithe is consecrated unto God. And then the tithe was commended. The practice of tithing was commended by Christ. Somebody said it was commended. A lot of people think that Jesus came to condemn Titan. He didn't. And if you go home, I want to please spend some time reading Matthew chapter 23, verse 13 all the way to 29. Because usually, uh, we just pick up verse 23 to make a point. But if you look at this, Jesus was dishing out woes. Somebody say woes. Uh -huh. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's like curse, 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 curse. And in the heated anointing to curse, you would have thought that Jesus would naturally go on and go on. But he went in from verse 13 to 29. He gave about, uh, I think about eight woes to the Pharisees. Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you Pharisees. But when he came to verse 23, look at what the Bible says. Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. For you tithe, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Please, this is English. It's Bible and English. So combine the two together. Because sometimes it beats my imagination how some people can distill some simple things out. He says, Woe unto you Pharisees. You tithe on mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy and faith. This ought you to have done and not to leave the other leave the other leave the other now just in case you, are, you also don't understand what it means praise the lord i mean i think it's plain simple enough for anybody who is not biased in his mind who is not greedy and selfish to be able to understand that this is what jesus is saying he says you you have been paying your tithe consistently but you have multiple girlfriends you cheat on your wife. You are a liar. He says, it's okay to pay the tithe. But you have to also be mindful to pay attention to a relationship. I'm not communicating here. That's what Jesus said. In fact, when somebody had an issue with his brother and was bringing an offering, you remember what Jesus said? He said, leave the offering there at the altar. The offering is good. But go and resolve the matter. But unfortunately, greedy people always read this scripture in the rivers. They use this and say, Jesus condemned tithe. Where did he do that? When he is coming as a priest after the order of Melchizedek, whom Melchizedek, which Melchizedek received tithes, how could he? He was condemning everything. But when he got there, he said, do what you are doing, but make sure that other important areas of your life. So is it okay to tithe? Yes, it's okay to tithe. Is it okay to, to pastor, to have three girlfriends apart from my wife after I've given tithe? It's not okay. Am I communicating here? It's not okay. 
It's not okay to do that, but it's okay to tight. Should I stop tightening because I have multiple girlfriends? No. Stop multiple girlfriends and keep on tightening. Am I communicating here? That's what the Bible is saying. 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 In fact, if you understand the spirit with which Christ came, he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And I realize that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, indeed, <laughs> all the commandments in the law, you live above it. You, you cannot be condemned when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit came into us, he did not come to us so we will live below the law, but above the law. That's what the Bible says, that those that are bear the fruit of the Spirit, none of such people can be brought under the law. Are you here with me? When you read the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said, accept your righteousness. He actually didn't condemn it. He reviewed it upwards. He said, accept your righteousness and see the righteousness of the Pharisees. And the Sadducees don't think you have a place in the kingdom. And when you talk about the righteousness of the Pharisees, I'm getting ahead of myself, but really, <laughs> you will see that the title was a very strong part of their righteousness. 10% was very strong with the Pharisees. So when you are 10%, consistent 10%, you are a Pharisee. That's at best. It is when you go above 10% that you have started entered into the kingdom. Am I complicating here? Yeah, you will see it. You see, a lot of people feel that when they come under grace, then things are lowered. But grace empowers you to do more, far more than you could do under the law. That's the beauty of the grace of God. Am I complicating here? That's the beauty of the grace of God. That's the beauty of the grace of God. The grace of God empowers you to love those who hate you. Am I complicating? The grace of God empowers you to pray for your enemies. The grace of God empowers you to do good to those who hate you. It's the grace of God. It's not our human nature to be able to do that. I'm not communicating here. And that same grace empowers us to give far more than they did under the Old Testament. So all of you who are operating five years as a Christian and you are doing 10%, you are a Pharisee. Rise up. I'm not communicating here. You are a Pharisee. Rise up. Rise up. And for those of you who are debating, as for you, Gradia, you have not started. I don't know what you are. You have not started at all. You have not started. Now listen, there's another uh, argument that a lot of people give. And they say in the, in the New Testament, there was no mention about tithe. Of course, Hebrews talked about the tithe. But let's assume that they didn't mention it. Let's assume they didn't mention it. Do you know that in the New Testament, they had argument on certain matters of the law? So if the, the tithe, I believe, if the tithe was an issue of strong contention and battle, or something that they uh, argued about, by all means, it would have featured. But listen, if somebody can sell his land and give it, that person will not think about it. I'm not communicating here. If somebody can sell his house and give it, that person will not debate about it. I'm not communicating here. That's what they were doing in the early church. The Bible says, when the Holy Ghost came, as many as had lands and possessions and houses, they sold it and they brought it and they laid it to the apostles' feet. They said, use it for the work of God. Now, how can such people be wasting their time talking about Titan? Why would they be wasting their time talking about Titan? Because they did not see Jesus give a tithe of his life. They saw Jesus give the very fullness of his life. So when they saw that, that was an example for us. The Bible said, be imitators of God as your children and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for it. That's why when you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says, they love not their lives even unto death. That's how they lived in the New Testament. And that's how you and I are expected to live. If you are going to get the best of God, that's how we are expected to live. So this one that you are debating about 10%, 5%, or 11%, oh, grow up. Grow up. May the Lord help you. May the Lord help you. May the Lord help you. And may you overcome greed and the love of money. There was no contention. Look at this. Let me just read this to you. Kaliko Sabradiva. There was, there was a, a strong contention. In Acts chapter 15, verse 1. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Okay, now go to verse 2. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem accompanied by some local 
believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay. The, the, the church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles too were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and others. They reported everything God had done through them. But some of the believers who belonged to the set of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to follow the laws of Moses. So the apostles and others met together to resolve their issue. At this meeting, at the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. Verse 8. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them from, for he had cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging them by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through, um, through them among the Gentiles. When they had finished, James stood up and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God visited the Gentiles to take them from a people for himself. Verse 19. And so my judgment, my judgment is what? Verse 19. My judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain. Now, when they were debating about matters of the law, tighten the dim future, there was something under the law which they felt was still relevant. Because for them, tight was not a matter. I'm not complicating here. Go and read the book of First. In fact, when they say, and the other uh, uh, foolish argument they make is uh, free will giving. Which giving is not free will? Yeah, which giving is not free will? Even the tithe we are talking about, do we force you to give it? Every giving is free will. And by the way, those, <laughs> the reason why I'm telling you that the, the least standard you can do as a New Testament believer is the tithe is because the, in the Old Testament, apart from the tithe, you saw when we were reading Leviticus, you saw what, what the, the, uh, 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 Deuteronomy, what they were supposed to bring, their sacred offerings, their vows, their free will, all kinds in addition to the tithe. By the time you put it together, they were crossing almost uh, 40 or so percent. Let me tell you something. If you are truly saved and you are born again and you are a child of God, if you make any investment anywhere in any association, any organization, much more than you make in the kingdom of God, you are a waste to Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a waste. If you give to Rotary Club, more than you give to church, you are a waste to the kingdom of God. I'm not communicating here. You're a waste. And God cannot trust you with a lot of resources. You cannot invest in sporting club more than you invest in the kingdom of God. Acts chapter 4 verse 34 to 35. Now, there was none among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought them. And they said, use them. Such people. If you can sell land. I mean, I left the realm of giving 10% almost 7 to 8 years ago. When I saw the light. I, one of the things that God has helped me with is unless I don't see it, any truth I see from scripture, I begin to work with it. And I run with it until I see the results of it. Number six, and I close with that. Number six, number five is what I gave you. Contention. There was no contention in the New Testament about the tithe. And I've explained to you why possibly there was no contention. It's not written in black and white, but it's obvious. People who are giving lands will not waste time thinking about 10%. If you can give a land, if you can give people who don't give much, they are the people who focus on 10%. And then number six, as I conclude, continuation of the practice of the tithe. Go and read Leviticus, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, all the way down. Hebrews chapter 7 compares two kinds of priesthood. Somebody says two kinds of priesthood. There is the Levitical priesthood. Say Levitical priesthood. And there is the Melchizedek priesthood. Somebody say Melchizedek priesthood. Melchizedek. Now both priesthoods received tithes. Melchizedek was the first priest to receive tithes. 
And the Bible says Jesus is made after the order of Melchizedek. He is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, he is a priest like Melchizedek. Now, if Melchizedek as a priest received tithes, do you think Jesus after the order of Melchizedek will not receive tithes? <laughs> All right. So, that should tell you that what was done under the old in the New Testament is still applicable because the person who is receiving the tithe now is not Melchizedek, it's Christ himself. I'm not communicating here. And so, if Christ is living and Christ has apostles, prophets, and teachers, and pastors doing his work on earth now, he must still be receiving the tithe. As I conclude, quickly, what should be a New Testament Christian's approach to titan? What should be your approach to Titan? And by extension, what should be your approach to Titan as a member of the church? If you're a member of the church, and I mean if you're a member of the church, because some of you, you are just visitors, you are not members. But if you're a member of the church, what should be your disposition approach towards Titan? Number one, you must tithe gracefully and not legalistically. Feel free to give tithe gracefully. Don't be legalistic about it. You can give 10%, you can give 20%, you can give 50%, you can give 100%. Be free to give. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Let 10%, and of course, that, that follows the list. Look at what the Bible says. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it said, But he who did not know much, yet committed things, deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with many few. Now, I like the B part. For everyone to whom much is, to everyone to whom much is, much is what? Much is what? Much is what? Uh -huh. He said, everyone to whom much is given, much is required. And if you know the New Testament at all, you will know that so much has been given unto us. Under the old, their sins were bloated for one year. Our sins have been forgotten, permanently removed. I'm not communicating. The Bible said he has received an obtainer redemption for us under the new. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 7, 20, 47 to 48. No, Luke 7, verse 44. Luke 7, 44. This is how people who have been touched by the grace of God, they give. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her, the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my hair. Therefore, I said to her, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves, the same loves, the same loves. You see, so this thing about tithing under the New Testament is a response of a graceful heart to God. I'm not communicating here. That's it. Nobody preached to me. I am preaching it to you now because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to me and I've practiced it for years. But nobody, when the Holy Spirit made me see it, I realized that no. I cannot be a Pharisee because my righteousness must exceed. Are you here with me? Number, number one is that you must see, you must tithe gracefully and not legalistically. Number two, you must see Titan as the starting point for a New Testament giving. Say the starting point. Say the starting point. Yeah, let it be the starting point. The least you can go is 10%. That's the starting point because that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5 20. He said, For I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds that the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom. Now look at the righteousness of the Pharisees. Let me show it to you as I close. What is the righteousness of the Pharisees? Luke 18, verse 9 to 12. Luke 18, 9 to 12. Let's read it together. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. This is typically the Pharisee life. Pharisee life feel that they are better than other people. Then he says, look, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a task collector. Let's look at the task collector, the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and praised us with himself. I thank you that I'm not like other, other men, extortionists and just adulterers, even as this task collector. All right? Now look at this, his righteousness. That Jesus said, your righteousness must succeed. He said, I fast twice a week. Some of you, you are even failing on the fasting level. And now the tithing level too, you are not even doing it. So you are not even a Pharisee. You don't even qualify for a Pharisee. Well below a Pharisee. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. 
That is the righteousness of the Pharisee. And Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, exceeds it. Whatever exceeds it means to you. I pray that the Spirit of God will bring conviction to your heart, transformation to your spirit, and bring you to a place. Now, let me tell you, when God talks to you about your money, it's not your money he wants, it's you he wants. I have seen that people who give much to the Lord, they always stay in love with God. People who stay committed to God and his church and his business are people who give. Those who don't give, usually they are kind most of the time, they, are, they don't do much with God. I pray that in this house, we'll have a generation of spiritual men. Men and women who love God. Men and women who are sold out to God. Men and women who will give everything they have in order to honor God. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.